Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland who are enjoying the program on Sky Sports. Let it be known for anyone who is listening on radio and didn't see what just was shown on TV. Chris Sims challenged me to be able to bench press 125 pounds 20 times. As soon as I got home from Indy, I went straight to the gym, put 125 on the bar. It took me a while to do the math and figure out the plate combination. And then I did 20 reps without hesitation, and I only struggled on the last two. Oh, oh 20, 125. That's, man, I watched it. It's, not, it's, it's actually embarrassing that you went and did that. That's, he Why? tricked you. Sims is not smart enough to do this intentionally, but that's something I would do. I'd be like, Mike, you can't do 75 pounds 40 times. Then you go do it, and I'm like, <laughs> wow, a lot of weight on that bar. <laughs> hey, 125. One, I, ta- I said 125 is nothing. I did 20 reps. Yes, I, mean, I that's couldn't the do point. one of 225 right now. I'd have to work my way up to it. There was once a time where I could do 225 reps. That was a long time ago. I'm you... old now, but I could, I could get to 225. I could get no. there if I worked no, at it. Couldn't. Oh, yes, no, I could. Couldn't. Oh, is no, that a couldn't. challenge? How yeah. many reps do you want? How many reps do you want me to do at 225? 15. 15? I'm 54, idiot. <laughs> 15? Okay, so I win. I win. Another win for me. Stats, put it up there. Right. When we do the draft, how put much, that up there. How much time? How much time do I have to get to 15 at 225? Three weeks. How much time? Three, Three weeks. weeks. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I'll concede this one right out of the gates. All right. Uh, 
week in review, by three weeks from now, we may have a new CBA. Big progress made this week as the owners met with some of the NFLPA leadership in Indianapolis on Tuesday. Then that delegation of NFLPA leadership met with the rest of the Board of Player Representatives, and they narrowly passed the new CBA, the proposed still CBA, 17 yes, 14 no, one abstention. They got just enough votes to push it to a vote of all union members, 1,900 dues-paying members. They hope to get that vote done within the next two weeks. Meanwhile, though, Big Cat, not everybody on board. Some star players like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers have spoken out. Now, Russell Wilson's not involved in union leadership, and I think some players in leadership resent these drive-bys from star players who aren't involved in the process, who aren't giving up their personal time, and who may not understand the issues. Russell, And I don't even understand his tweet. I don't know what he's saying they should do other than vote no. Aaron Rodgers had a more thoughtful and lengthy post that he had on social media. He's the Green Bay Packers player representative. And one of the big things he's pushing, I'm told, is the complete and total elimination of the offseason program, which isn't happening. But they want fewer offseason workouts in exchange for 17 games. And, and that's a topic that still isn't resolved. I'm told that the league has agreed to develop a joint program with the NFL and the NFLPA to look at more adjustments to the offseason program, especially when they get to 17 games. But it's moving forward, Big Cat. We should know within the next couple of weeks. And it's not going to be easy to get the 951 votes or so necessary to get this thing through because there's a lot of players out there that don't like it. Okay, so a uh, couple logistical questions I have to ask for you. One is, how does this work? Do they do all the players get an email? Do the uh, team reps contact all the players on the roster? What happens if you are a free agent? What happens if you didn't play last year but you're hoping to play? Explain that part to me so that I can ask a follow-up. Well, the dues-paying members, and I, that doesn't necessarily mean you're on a team. If You can still be in the union if you've played within a certain window. But for the guys on a given team, it may be as simple as voting by team. I remember in 2011 they voted by team because every member of the Steelers voted against that CBA. So they're talking about doing it electronically. My guess is they're going to try to just do it from a centralized location straight from the NFLPA office and you just email every guy and you have them vote back yes or no. That would be simple. Or they set up a database where you log in with some specific credentials. I Surely they have a plan for it. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I'll find out. But I have a feeling okay. it's going to be an electronic vote. They're not all going to show up at a union hall and, and walk up and stuff a piece of paper into a ballot box. Okay, so we should get uh, the Democratic Party to run this, and we will have no huh. problems no, whatsoever. They'll do it in Iowa. They'll do yes, it in Iowa. exactly. They'll do it in Iowa. Everyone stick will walk. To, stick to football. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk? Mike, We no joke, we talked about this earlier, about how the combine is going to be primetime. How about a CBA caucus, and you have every player show up to a little gym, a high school gym in Iowa, and they walk to each corner, yes or no? That would be electric television. All right, my yeah. next follow. Yeah, and, yeah, and it also would result in no outcome. All right. Okay, but it's a good. Hey, listen, we want more eyeballs. We'll throw that. We'll throw that in the cash bucket. People get more money. Here's the one uh, I'm very curious about, and, and you've obviously covered these throughout the years, and you've talked to a bunch of players, agents, front offices, everything. When a guy like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers speaks out. Do, what is the uh, takeaway from the rest of the league, from the middle class of the league? Because those guys obviously are going to be fine no matter what. And a guy like – so Russell Wilson, like you said, is not involved with the union. It was not a nuanced tweet. He just said, I don't like it, no. 
Aaron Rodgers put a lot more thought into it, which I respect, but Aaron Rodgers also is not going to be around for the end of this CBA, and he's gotten paid a ton of money. So what do you think, in general, the reaction is for a guy who's maybe, I don't know, a fifth-year linebacker, special teams player who makes a million dollars a year and is thinking, I want to get this done so I can keep getting paid? Well, look, I, I think my reaction as a, a middle-of-the-pack player if Aaron Rodgers comes out and says what he says and says he doesn't like the offseason program and you're hearing that he's advocating for the offseason program to go away, again, I've heard that from multiple different people, that he wants it gone altogether. My reaction as a middle-of-the-pack guy is, hey, Aaron, don't show up for the offseason program. It's voluntary except for a three-day mandatory minicamp. If you don't like it, don't come. And any guy who is sufficiently secure in his position, don't show up. It's not like you're not going to make the team. It's not like you're not going to be a starter anymore. I think the offseason program becomes important for guys who are trying to hold on to that four or five million dollar salary when they have a young guy that they just drafted in round five that can maybe supplant you. You know, that guy wants to show up and prove that he's worthy of taking your job. The guy who's got the job wants to show up and prove that he's worthy of keeping it. And I think actually, actually, the more I think about this, it benefits those guys who are established because the more reps you have for the young guy to show him what he can do, the more comfortable the team is going to get and the more likely when September rolls around, they're going to say, we're going to keep the guy who's making the minimum over the guy who's making $5 million a year. So I could see more of the veteran players not want an extended offseason program, whereas the young guys are going to realize this is my best chance to get a job, this is my best chance to keep a job, to be able to show up from April to June and impress the coaches with what I can do and have them conclude I'm a great bargain dollar for dollar. And that's that's the interesting part of this entire thing is that you have to find that balance where obviously the guys who are currently voting are the guys that's going to affect today, but with a 10-year deal, you're voting for the future of guys who are coming in the league. You know, guys in high school right now are going to be in the league in six, seven years they are going to be impacted by this CBA and how it all all pans out. The whole thing's fascinating, and I, you know, I, I hope it gets done so I can watch football. But I also understand that the NFL, more than any other sport, is uh, tilted towards the owners. So if the players can get back any of this power, any of this money in this negotiating window, they have to exercise every single right because it doesn't come around every year. It's every 10 years. So whatever you sign today, you better be okay with for the next 10 years. And, you know, that type of weight, that pressure, that knowing it's a decade and there's guys coming down in the future that are going to be reliant on what you signed today, that's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. So they should take their time, and they shouldn't sign anything they're not comfortable with, as much as I want well, football. Right. They're moving the process closer and closer to a true partnership. Once 17 games roll around, there's a 48.5% cut that the players get. That's the closest to 50-50 they've ever been. I know that last one and a half is going to entail a ton of money. But, you know, here is the challenge for the players. The players are working two deals here, and their ultimate leader, Demoris Smith, believes this. You know, anytime I make this point, like, oh, you're just parroting NFL talking points. No, the guy who negotiated the deal with the league believes this too. Two deals to think about. One, the deal between the league and the union. How are they going to carve up the pie? Two, the contracts between the NFL and all of the broadcast networks that D. Smith and the NFL currently believe you do them now 
You maximize the revenue if you do them now. And if you wait a year, you potentially lose money. It's not going to get any better in a year. And there's a chance it's going to get worse. So if you're the NFLPA and you want to fight the league and you want to wait a year and you want to get a better deal, fine. But you're getting a bigger piece of a smaller pie as opposed to getting a smaller piece of a much larger pie. And again, this isn't just the league that thinks this. Demore Smith thinks this as well. That's been my understanding for months now. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed off on this term sheet that became the proposal that will become potentially the new CBA. But Big Cat, think about this. I, I wrote this yesterday at PFT, uh, the real PFT, not the fake PFT that stole my brand. Um, but I digress. The league is expecting a minimum of $100 million per team per year in extra revenue under the new TV deals. Now, they don't know the specifics yet because they haven't negotiated them, but that's what they expect. $100 million per team per year, $3.2 billion in extra revenue per year under these deals if they do it now. That's where the urgency is coming from, and that's why the very top of the NFLPA agrees. And the problem is, and the challenge is, selling that to the players because they don't know. The only way we find out is to let, wait till next year and see if that, that potential revenue is gone. Okay, so what you just explained to me, let me throw it back to you. Doesn't that mean the players actually shouldn't sign right now because they have a lot of leverage? And if the NFL and the owners desperately want to get this signed so they can get that $3.2 billion, shouldn't the players say, hey, here's our list, change these few things, and we'll sign right now on the dotted line. We'll do it, and you can get your $3.2 billion. If you don't, you want to take the risk, we're willing to do that, and we'll wait a year. Excellent point. Excellent point. Here's the problem. Here's oh. the concern. Here, Wait, there's a but. At the upper reaches of the NFLPA, the concern is this. If they screw around and they blow the window to get the maximum TV deal, when they do the TV deals and when the money is lower, that money is coming out of the players' pockets when yep. they do the deal, that the owners are going to drive an even harder bargain. See, here's the problem. 1987, 2011. 87, players strike. Owners hire replacements. Players cave. 2011, owners lock them out. Right up against the brink of actually losing money, players cave. Until the players, and we talked about this last week, the dynamics of a lockout or a strike in the NFL. It's so different than any other industry, right? It's different than shutting down a factory. There isn't a single worker in that factory whose lifelong dream was to work in that factory. Every NFL player wants to play in the NFL. They want to play football, and they're getting paid so much money that if you take it from whatever they're making down to zero, good luck paying your bills. It's a lot easier when you're making 25 bucks an hour to find enough money from friends, relatives, money you may have saved, whatever other resources you have to keep things going temporarily. If you go from your $10 million a year salary to nothing, you're going to have some real problems quickly. And, and also, also, a point someone raised with me over the weekend that I think is excellent. When you shut down a factory for a month, Right, their orders back up, and they're on strike. They work it out. They come back. Everybody gets overtime because they're trying to catch up. You can still make that money, and in some cases, maybe you end up with more money because you've worked a month of overtime to make up for the month that you weren't working. In the NFL, once it's gone, it's gone forever. It's never coming back. So it makes it hard, so much harder, for NFL players to endure a lockout or wage a strike. And and having that nuclear option off the table. It, it really does make it easier for the owners to squeeze if they want to squeeze. And, yeah, they may be squeezing some now, but if the TV deals go south and they're doing this deal next year, the owners are going to squeeze a lot harder.
It's, I mean, this is all fascinating. It's way over my head, but I'm happy that I have you as my guide because it obviously, you, you're a nerd. You read about it. I'm just a Thank football you. fan. Thank you. No, Thank it you. is, though. I'm it is nerd. actually in all I'm a all nerd honesty. who can bench press 125 pounds. In all honesty, it is very fascinating, and what you just described makes a lot of sense that it's, you know, both sides have a lot to lose, and but a, a, as always with these negotiations, the players have a lot more to lose because going without those checks and going without, you know, games being played is something they don't want to see. They've tried it before, and it didn't work. So the owners will remember that forever and know that they can lock them out or find replacements if need be. There's a tension in this relationship between the league and the union. And there needs to be tension anytime you have that type of management labor situation. But at the same time, it's a partnership. And I think more and more of the owners are waking up to the reality that these players need to be treated like partners, not like employees. But there are still enough of the owners floating around, the old guard owners who want to treat them like employees. That's the challenge. And I think that the owners are getting closer and closer to the point where they view this as a true partnership. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, where will Jadavian Clowney be playing in 2020? It may not be the Seattle Seahawks. We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Last year, Jadavion Clowney was traded by the Houston Texans while under the franchise tag to the Seattle Seahawks. His deal with Seattle included a commitment that he won't be tagged. So he's going to hit the market. So is he going to hit the road from Seattle? The Seahawks would like to keep him, but there are other teams in the mix, reportedly the Giants and the Colts. And he told Josina Anderson of ESPN, after spending the last year in Seattle and seeing how they do things, I would definitely like to return. However, I'm also open to new opportunities if it comes down to that here's the challenge with Jadavian Clowney and he's got this reputation and it's a reality he's he's an incredibly gifted player he disrupts the play even though the stats may not show it he would be one of the leaders in what Sims calls the f up the play stat when he's healthy he's incredible the Monday night game against the 49ers one of the best games of his career but then he has a sports hernia and what are you paying for? What are you getting from Jadavian Clowney? You're getting a lot of promise. You're getting a lot of potential. But how much production are you actually getting? That's my concern for whoever pays Jadavian Clowney, Big Cap. Well, you, it's it's a fair concern to throw out there. But that parentheses right there that's on the screen turned 27 this month. He just turned 27. So it's rare to get a guy like this in, in like true free agent fashion because a talented player like this usually gets franchise tagged a bunch of times or signs a long-term deal with the team that drafts him. So if you're looking around, and a lot of times when it comes to free agency, I think teams overspend for guys that might be over the hill or guys that aren't going to have their best production in a new team. This is one of those rare cases where you can get a guy who should be just entering his prime. You know what I mean? 27, 28, 29, those should be prime, prime years. I, he's going to get paid a lot of money. I don't know if he's going to stay with the Seahawks, but when you when you factor in the age, I know what you're saying with the health concerns, but I think teams will look past it knowing that these type of opportunities don't happen very often in free agency. And here's the thing to remember, and this is why teams use the franchise tag, because there are certain organizations out there that understand the business value of being able to say on March 18, 
we have signed Jadavion Clowney, and he holds up the jersey. And, oh, by the way, the jersey is available for purchase at NFLShop.com. And, oh, by the way, if you want season tickets, here's the number to call. I mean, and, and beyond that, if you're in a market with multiple professional sports teams and you can disrupt their seasons by signing a guy and the coverage and the discussion and the attention is all turning your direction, that's why guys like, uh, who was the, Asante Sam, remember he got a ton of money from the, the Eagles in free agency. That's one of the reasons why teams do it. It generates interest. It generates money. And then you worry later whether or not it, it makes sense from a football standpoint. Yeah, it's always interesting going through free agent, uh, the classes and, and, and the teams that sign guys. Like A lot of them don't work out because a lot of times it's either, like I said, a guy maybe a little on the, on the wrong side of his peak. Uh, fit matters so much, and what you see is a guy have a lot of success in fit or the players around him make him better, and then you try to plug and play him on a worse team with a, with, with a worse fit. It's always interesting to see free agency, and I really – I mean, the, the best teams win by doing everything correctly, not just free agency. We always joke about it. When you win free agency, you know, the Redskins, how many years have they won free agency? The Jets, they won free agency last year. Winning free agency does not e- equal winning games when, th- when it matters in November and December and January. Bill Belichick has jumped into the deep end of the free agency pool twice. Adelius Thomas didn't work. Stephon Gilmore worked like a charm. And I remember when they signed Stephon Gilmore, I said, look, they faced this guy twice a year for five years. I think they know what they're getting and what they're paying for and why they're willing to make the exception. The good teams, the smart teams, Big Cat, they waited out. They let everybody spend, they let everybody generate the headlines, and then they go bargain shopping four, five, six days into the process, and you can find great players there and keep your salary cap intact and have money left over to sign your rookies and extend some of your key players, and and I think that's the much brighter move. Teams like the Colts last year with a ton of cap space, what they do? They waited, and I think we're going to see the good teams do that again this year. All right, so where's he signing? Uh, probably the Colts. Probably because there's pressure on the Colts to go out and spend some of that cap money. And what the heck? We otherwise go cheap. Let's go ahead and get him and and uh, ramp up our defense. We'll be right back. Thirty-four minutes after the hour on this Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, and the scouting combine still moving along. We're going to do a draft today, Big Cat, of the most important stories coming out of the scouting combine. I've got the trivia question for you, and if you get it right, you get the first pick. Who is the only player since 2003 to have fewer than 10 reps in the 225-pound bench press at the scouting combine and still be taken in the top 15 picks of the draft? He was also the offensive rookie of the year in the year he was drafted. And if you need another hint, I'll give you another hint. Give me one more hint. The year he was drafted was 2014. 2014. Offensive know. rookie of the year. Top 15. Bomp, bomp, bomp. Odell Beckham Jr. Damn. Odell Beckham Jr. got seven reps in the bench press or eight fewer than I will get three weeks from now after I uh, go on a crash course of creatine and HGH to get uh, to the point where I can match the challenge that's been given to me by Big Cat. All right. Top story out of the combine without question. It has nothing to do with the combine. It has something to do with a guy who was at the combine 20 years ago, photographed in his boxers, looking like a guy who got up in the middle of the night to go pee, Tom Brady. 
That's the biggest story at the scouting combine. Uh, all the talk about who's interested, who's not interested, who he's met with when he's talking to the Patriots. Can the Patriots keep him? Will Bill Belichick make the call? Will Bob Kraft get involved? And 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 also, as I mentioned earlier, that circular firing squad of media where you got reporters who are getting mad at each other. I had this first, and the local people get resentful, the national people, and the national people are talking about something the local people talked about three weeks ago, and there's all this back and forth on Twitter, and it's just great. It's awesome, especially now that I'm not in India anymore. It is awesome. It's the story of the moment in the NFL, and it will continue to be the story of the moment until he signs his name at the bottom of his next NFL contract. Okay, good pick, Mike. Good pick. I mean, it's not about the combine. I'll go more about the combine, but good pick. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, my it's top... coming out of the combine. Coming yeah. out of the combine. That's, I mean, not This is true, hovering actually. over everything. It's still, the combine is so, listen, you were there. The combine's so much more than a bunch of guys running around in their underwear. It Who? is a convention. It what? is, me. it's all kinds of things. It's the Mike, tampering central. It's wait. everything. Hold on just one second. Who who reported the Tom Brady news that basically set the internet on fire? Who you are you going to no, take credit for it? No, no. I think it, I think it was Jeff Darlington, and I think he did it oh, in the, New York. That he's not in Indianapolis, so He'll be therefore not at back. the right. combine. Okay, my top story from the combine, Mike, is that Joe Burrow is hilarious, and he never said that he wouldn't take, uh, wouldn't play for the Cincinnati Bengals. He debunked that entire narrative that got started. Sure he did. Sure he he did. did, and he also was hilarious in doing so with the hand size comment as well. So, yeah, he's got smaller hands, but they're still perfectly fine, perfectly average, and uh, Joe Burrow's hilarious. So that's my biggest story coming from the combine. Joe Burrow is hilarious. Joe Burrow is awesome. Joe Burrow said on Tuesday that if the Bengals pick him, he will show up. He's not going to say no to it. He's not going to not play football. However, however, I would like everyone out there, and this is the last time I'm going to say it, at least today. See? There's a chance I'll say it again. Saying I won't refuse to show up is a far cry from saying I want to play for the Bengals. You know, Big Cat. You that's make him a free so, agent. You want him you to – no, that's that's reverse tampering, Mike. If he says he wants to play for the Bengals, that's reverse tampering. What are you talking about? You can't tamper what? the other way. My point is saying that I won't boycott, saying that I won't make a power play is a far cry from him admitting I really want the Bengals to take me. I think what happened was he tried either with advice from his agents or on his own. They tried to poke around the edges of this – effort to scare the Bengals away and and it took on a life of its own and now they're backing off of it um that's what I think happened and you know all these people in Cincinnati are mad at me for just acknowledging what was obvious and what was right in front of me and if you want to ignore reality ignore reality I don't care but it was obvious based upon the comments and the circumstances that something was happening and he was hoping that maybe the Dolphins or someone else would trade up and take Joe Burrow and he still may be but they've decided to not be vocal about it because it kind of blew up in his face all right Next one for me, and I'll make this one about the Combine so you won't complain about it, although I have another pick I would make if I'm allowed to talk about things happening in Indianapolis. Chase Young not working out and making no apologies for it and not getting any pushback for it. We've finally gotten to the point where, you know, the the people, and I and look, if anyone's in the media has said it, I've ignored it, and I will continue to ignore it. This idea that a guy who chooses not to work out at the Combine in some way isn't a competitor, doesn't want to compete, that's baloney. People want to be entertained. And I wonder if he was a quarterback 
we'd have the same reaction. I hope the next time a high-profile quarterback makes that strategic decision. I guess Burrow has. He's not injured, is he? Burrow's no. doing it. Nobody's saying boo. So good. Players not working out at the combine. That not being a huge deal anymore, I think, is a big story because up until as recently as last year, you'd have these people in the media who would wring their hands and gnash their teeth about guys not working out. I think Burrow, Burrow is a little banged up and he wants to get to 100%. For Chase Young, it's I'm perfectly fine. I'm just not doing it. And I want more guys at the top of the draft class to, to realize they've got no obligation to entertain us by not playing football in late February. And at some point, maybe the NFL will offer these guys a little money to show up and work out. Because at this point in prime time, these are the stars of this reality show they're trying to sell us. It's unfair that these guys aren't getting compensated for their efforts. I like where your head's at, Mike. I like where your head's at. Okay, that's a good pick. My next pick is going to be the presence of Tua and the fact that he was walking without a noticeable limp. He was walking without crutches. And all early reports have his medicals coming back as he is on pace to be okay, to have that hip injury heal, to be able to play next year. I think just seeing Tua, and if you're a team drafting in the top five, just having the presence of Tua at this combine will go a long way in, uh, you know, calming your nerves about his injury and how he's feeling overall. Just being able to talk to him probably calms some nerves if you're talking about a team with the top five picks. So his presence was a big story because remember, Mike, and, and people have been saying it, you know, if Tua doesn't get hurt, Alabama might be in the playoffs and Tua still might be the number one pick. You know what I mean? So this is uh, – you could you – could, Spin it that you're going to get some great value if Tua drops all the way to three, four, five, somewhere in that range. And a lot of teams probably have Tua as their number one on the board over Joe Burrow and are saying, hey, how can I get up there? How can I trade up there? Especially now that he looks like he's healthy. Even if he is healthy now, the concern that I know some general managers have is this. Three lower body injuries at the college level. The NFL level, a lot more physically demanding. And if you can't stay healthy at the college level, will you be able to stay healthy at the NFL level? And we'll only know when when he does it or doesn't do it. But that's the downside here. Two is a great kid. We had him at the Super Bowl uh, for an interview. Uh, very, very gregarious, very funny, very loose, very relaxed. And it would be interesting to see who the top pick is if he were completely healthy and these weren't issues because it very well still could be him despite what Joe Burrow accomplished this year all right last one for me sorry did Big you just Pat. burp has did you just burp i don't know what that was it was kind of a half hiccup kind of a half hiccup half burp i don't know did thank you, you. Did you just thank burp you for in my face well no because you're 500 miles away but thank you for slamming the brakes on the show to point out to the world that i made some kind of a noise that was completely Listen. unplanned Mike, draft, when we do the draft, this is my time to shine. I dominate you in the draft every single week, so when you burp and you show weakness, I will absolutely note it. I, it wasn't really – I don't know what that was. It was just kind of a half hiccup. Yeah, it was but, a nerve. You were nerves. You're scared. Yeah, All right. what, what is that? I know sound what effects. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, good job. I didn't know we had a soundboard. What else I you got, it. stats? All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can we stop, please? This makes for great TV. Um, the CBA, the CBA vote, and the CBA issue, everything about the CBA, it's, it's never intersected like this before, where you had every player rep, all 32 of them in town. You had the eight members of the NFL's management council there. 
big shot owners. Bob Kraft flies into town for this meeting. Commissioners there, right? They get together. They have their meeting on Tuesday for four hours. And then the, the NFLPA leadership meets into the wee hours of the morning. And they pass the measure to the rank and file by one vote. 17 yes, 14 no, one abstention. And, and then the blowback from Russell Wilson. When the hell has Russell Wilson ever said anything negative about anything in his life? And he goes all in against the new CBA. Doesn't quite say why, but he goes all in against the new CBA. And then Aaron Rodgers with that long thing that he banged out in his notes application that he pasted into Twitter. It's amazing to me that, uh, that it's become the story it is. And I think more and more people are paying attention to it now in the hopes that it gets resolved and goes away. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But that has been one of the biggest stories coming out of the combine because the planet's lined up just right for that story to kind of take over earlier this week. And it's still hovering. And until they do that vote, it's going to be something that we need to be paying very careful attention to. Okay, fine, fine pick. I will win this draft like I win every single draft with my last pick. Mike, you know it's coming. The most important story coming out of the combine in Indianapolis, Mike Florio looks frail. And you're probably saying to yourself, what are you talking about, Big Cat? What are you talking Uh, about? Well, I'll tell you a little story, a little story time. Pull up yourself, you know, tuck yourself in right next to the TV, the warmth of the glow. I'm going to give you a story. We went out to dinner. change the channel. On Wednesday night, Mike was uh, nice enough to invite me on his dime, and I showed up, and I took one look at him, and I said, Mike, you look kind of frail. Are you okay? And that has been bouncing around in his little brain for the last three days, back and forth like the old Pong, and he can't get it out of his head. He's mentioned it to me about 15 times. I didn't even mean to do it. I was just kind of, you know, busting chops. But I uh, mentally own Mike Florio by those simple words of, Mike, Mike, you look kind of frail. And then it's yeah. become a story. It's become a story because it's an incredibly rude thing to say to someone. <laughs> it's like saying to someone, you look tired. Why do people no, think it's, it's way socially worse. acceptable? It's way worse. Oh, it's, it's extremely worse. worse. It's there's there's not even a passive-aggressive element to you look frail. You yeah. look tired. You can at least say, well, I'm concerned about you. No. you know? uh, yeah, you look frail. I've never heard that one before. I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I invite you to a nice dinner. You actually show up. Maybe this is your way to get me to stop inviting you. And if yeah. that's your strategy, it's the best move you've ever made. Sometimes my brain says things and I don't even know how genius they are when they're coming out. And that was one of those moments. I didn't even think you looked frail. I just said it so that you then were perseverating on it. SAT word right there for the rest of the few Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want the spelling of that word. Perseverating? Perseverating. Have that, Mike. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not only strong like an ox. I'm smart. You're frail. You're weak-minded. Perseverate. Perse- perseverating. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a break because me, I am going the- to just like just like a game of Scrabble. I'm going to the dictionary to see if perseverating, like quone, is a word. We're gonna take a oh, break. No. When- when we return, uh, we'll react to the workouts from Thursday night and uh, anything else that may be going on in the NFL that we can jam into the last segment of the program. We'll do that right after this. <laughs> NBC Sports NHL coverage is highlighted by a pair of surging teams in the NHL Game of the Week Sunday at noon Eastern on NBC as Claude Giroux and the Philadelphia Flyers visit Chris Kreider and the New York Rangers. Here's the schedule. The Flyers at the Rangers on NBC, 12 p.m. Eastern. 
Washington and Minnesota, NBCSN, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then the night concludes with the L.A. Kings at the Vegas Golden Knights on NBCSN, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. All right. Uh, word of the week. Game of the week is Flyers-Rangers. Word of the week is perseverating, folks. Perseverating. For those of you kids out there may have a, a, a snow delay today and you didn't think you were going to learn anything, perseverating. Perseverating is a word. Repeat or prolong an action, thought, or utterance after the stimulus that prompted it has ceased. You are correct. I perseverated in my brain the uh, the concern that I am frail after you told me I look frail. So, well done, Big Cat. I mean, that is how it is done, folks. Not only did I dominate Mike in the draft, I then dominated him mentally afterwards. He is going to be perseverating about my domination for the rest of the weekend. That's so sad. And meanwhile, I'll be watching the combine workouts, except when I'm not. Look, I try. I try to care about it. Folks, it's not football. And maybe it's a process of being in this business for 20 years. We've seen this over and over again. It's just cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter. It is hard to, you know, if there's nothing else on TV, like Saturday or Sunday morning, fine. It's good background noise while you're working like I I, I am on the, the PFT website all the time. But at night, when there's other things to watch, are, are you going to not like, like hang out with your family? Are you not going to go out to dinner Friday night? You're not going to watch a movie Friday night so you can watch a bunch of guys running around in their in their T-shirts and underwear? I don't think so. But anyway, I watched some of it last night, as did Big Cat. Henry Ruggs, the star of the night with the 4.27 40-yard dash, as Big Cat astutely pointed out on Twitter when they had the list of all of the guys who have the top 40-yard dashes at the Combine for the past 15 years. Being really fast may not be <laughs> as promising about the NFL career as uh, we would believe. Yes, and obviously it's slightly tongue-in-cheek because I know there are a lot of fast receivers out there that uh, their speed is a weapon, but it was interesting to see this hype about the combine speed and then look at the list and you say, wait, did any of these guys do anything in the NFL? And that's not saying Henry Ruggs won't because Henry Ruggs is probably the best of this group and the most accomplished of this group. Uh, I will watch a little of the combine because it is great nap background uh tv wait but, but it's the... on at night it's on at night not, well we all only saturday and sunday basketball plays all of you yeah they're not it's prime time every night i think oh forget it i'm out i'm out maybe yeah. i don't know i don't know i'm out but yeah you, you gotta, you, you're like you're like this uh gambling savant when it comes to college basketball so you, you don't want to cut into that you want one how about this give me one uh umass has covered they're seven and two against the spread seven two and one against the spread their last 10 i bet on them uh, earlier this week against VCU at home, they won outright as five-point dogs. They play Richmond on NBC Sports, this station, on Saturday. Take them. The market does not have them correct. That's two weeks in a row that you have not only showed your prowess when it comes to college basketball wagering, but also, also, you pumped the NBCSN college basketball game of the week. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern today is when the workouts begin. But they can't, I mean, they milk that thing. It was, I was down in the barn last night. It was 11 o'clock and it was still on and it was still live. So uh, it's a lot there. It's a lot there Here, for people Mike, to digest. I, here's one I, I was thinking that maybe you could use as a take next week. Throw this out there. Uh, does the start time of the combine affect the performances, either negative or positive, starting later in the day, starting at night? Listen, that was a real concern from the coaches because they said these guys still work out in the morning. How is it going to affect them if they're working out in the morning to perform at night? That Some of these guys should have been working out at night at the time that they would be working out 
at the combine. Now I asked players about it and they're like, Hey, we, you know, it's prime time. You want to be in prime time. Everybody wants to be in prime time, but still you're in an empty stadium. See prime time is the first step toward filling that stadium up. Big cat, whether it's Lucas oil stadium in Indy or somewhere else, it's just a matter of time before those stands aren't empty. Okay. You might be right. You might be right on that one. You might be right. I just don't, I can't imagine paying a lot of money, maybe it won't be a lot of money, to go sit and watch guys run up and down a field in their underwear. That seems like not a great use of your time or money. It won't be much to get in, but the beer will still be 20 bucks. That's there it the is. key. <laughs> 4 to 11 p.m. tonight, Eastern time, uh, the workouts. And I think some are on ESPN and the whole thing's on NFL Network. I, 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 don't, I can't keep up with it. I can't keep up with it. And it's just too much. Too much. Um, but it's on TV, and you can put it on one of your – Big Cat, what do you got? You're already up to seven screens now. How many TVs do you have? I have three TVs. I need more. I'm trying to get to six. Do we have a, a picture of the draft? I just want to look at it one last time. I don't know if we have it or not, but I want to see the draft. Who our cares? draft. What Why? do you mean? The graphic of the draft? Who cares? Yeah. That I was 10 see... minutes ago. Oh, my God. Look at this. Do you want look me to frame it? Do you, do you want to print it off and frame it and send it to you, and you can perseverate about it? Look how good that looks. I just, I dominate you in the draft every single time. Okay. Man, you are so insecure. I had no idea how insecure you were until I started working with you on this show. That you have to play this stupid little game with me every single week. If it makes you feel better, if it allows you to proceed into the weekend happily, then I'm fine to be the the uh, the heel or the shoe or whatever. We'll see you on Great. Monday. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.